In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. This mic sounds funny to any of y'all. It sounded like Jonathan was in witness protection. <laughs> or he was Sauron. I couldn't tell. I got, I got some weird parts in that. Lord of the Rings reference? No, anybody? Okay. Just, just laugh. Pretend you understand what I'm saying. Well, good morning to you. Uh, I'm glad to be back with you all. I had a wonderful and refreshing time up in, uh, I don't know, refreshing, refreshing spiritually, not physically, uh, up in the mountains of North Carolina doing this uh, thing called Primal Course, which you're not really supposed to talk about. It's kind of like Fight Club. It's a little bit uh, like the Matrix. Unfortunately, no one can be told what Primal Course is. They have to experience it for themselves. Uh, but I'm grateful to be back. I got a wonderful report from Father Josh. I listened to his sermon. sounded like he did an outstanding job. I knew you would be in good hands. And he spoke uh, very, very highly of, of you all. Uh, you ministered uh, to him uh, wonderfully. And that's what Paul talks about when he writes his letter, that we would be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Yes, I'm an apostle. And you all are one of the churches that I've started. But we want to be mutually uh, encouraged. Uh, and I am so thankful for you all, um, just as a church. I mean, this really is a wonderful church of people who want to come uh, and want uh, to lead. We'll talk about this in a second, but I was reflecting as I was gone about the majority of the people in this church are like type A go-getters. You know, I get the privilege, the opportunity to lead leaders, uh, and, and that's an awesome thing that's not... Uh, lost on me. Uh, this morning's sermon is going to be a little bit different uh, because uh, I want to go back. I want to go back to the foundations and really just talk about part of the vision for this church. So if you're visiting, I guess it's good. You get to kind of hear what uh, we believe the Lord has called us to. And also, uh, next steps. Where do we need to go from here? What does our mentality need to be? Uh, what sort of spirituality do we need to take up? Uh, to continue in the work that God has called us to do. Because again, uh, this is a wonderful church, but I, f I believe with all my heart that if we're going to become what God has called us to be, we're going to need to step out in faith afresh. We're going to have to, even though we're tired, right? The last few years, I think, have been psychologically difficult on the world. You know, everyone I talk to, there's a sense of fatigue. There's a sense of it's, it's not as easy as it was to just simply enjoy life and do the basic things you need to do as a human being. Maybe you don't feel that way. If so, praise God. But my, my experience in conversation with people is that, that most do. But nevertheless, we've got to double down here at All Souls. We've got to double down. We've got to step out afresh. And so what is God calling us to be? So I'm not going to give you the whole vision. We don't have time for that. But just a little bit of it, part of it. And one is that God is calling us to be a community, to be a church, to be a place where the living God is encountered, where the word of God, which is Jesus, the word of God. I'm talking about the word of the Lord came to so-and-so. The word became flesh. That's Jesus. That's the Son, a place where we encounter the Word of God through the words of God. That is the Holy Scriptures that were brought into the midst of God's own 
Trinitarian life through the sacraments. A place where we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. That we're coming into the presence, not of our co-pilot, not of our buddy, not of our pal, but of Almighty God. A place where we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. It should bother you, and I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not doing, you guys know me, I'm not doing passive-aggressive fundraising. But it should bother you that the home that you go to, home to, that your house is nicer than God's house. It bothers me. It bothers me that we take the holy altar, the place where the very body and blood of Jesus rests, and it's shoved into a corner Monday through Saturday. That bothers me. That, that weighs on my conscience. I know we have to do it. But how long do we have to do it? How long are we going to accept that? You know, it bothered King Solomon. Remember what he said to the prophet Nathan? <laughs> he had the pad. He was on MTV Cribs, right? Gen Xers, millennials, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Everyone else, what are you talking about? And he said, here I am, Nathan. I'm living in the house, in a house of cedar. And the ark of God is out in a tent. It bothered him, as it should. We worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, but we're, we're also called to be a church. The whole church is, capital C, to be a people that pursue holiness. That pursue holiness of life. Not in a pharisaical way, right? We're so righteous and holy, we never sin. Where we, we major on minors and we minor on majors. That's what the Pharisees did. They're going to make sure that cumin, they're going to tithe 10% of that to the Lord. But their hearts were, were, like, were like dead bodies, Jesus says. You guys are like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, but inside is death. Pursue holiness, also not in a puritanical way, with rigidity and judgment towards others, but rather that we would pursue Christ-likeness, that we would be transformed into the likeness of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. That's the goal. Living with, yes, with kindness. We don't want to go out there and be turds. I'm not telling you guys to get out there and make and the end is near, signs, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and on a megaphone yelling, screaming at people, telling them how bad they are. We want to conduct ourselves with kindness and humility. But also, and I think we can forget this sometimes, with strength of virtue, to have the collective spine to stand, to stand and speak the truth, but also to walk according to it. We cannot call Jesus Lord unless we do what he says. Trusting, and this is the thing I want us to get. We can say, okay, well, we've got to obey scripture. Well, I don't understand it. I don't like it. I don't know that I believe 
that we should be living in this way that the Bible seems to be telling us to live. To grow to the place where we know in our bones that the life that Jesus calls us to is the best and highest way of being human. It's the best and highest way of being human. So worshiping the Lord in the beauty of holiness, knowing, encountering his presence, being changed by his presence in our midst, pursuing Christ's likeness. And this, and, uh, in our epistle, it said to continue in mutual love. I want this to be a community of mutual love in the Lord, where there's real friendship and real relationship. And don't take this as, well, I don't see you all pursuing it, because I do, that you do love one another and that you do care for one another. But just to recognize, perhaps afresh, that you cannot be a lone ranger Christian. You can't be a lone ranger human being. You cannot live life on your own. Gentlemen, you need, and there's not a, a lot of places in society for men to gather and be men and encourage one another. You need, a, you need brothers in arms. As iron sharpens iron, Scripture says, so one man sharpens another. Which presupposes that you yourself, you have to be forged. If you're soft as a banana... You're not going to be of any use to yourself or anyone else. You need a brotherhood. We all do. Every man does. You need a brotherhood. You need positive. One thing we experienced, Jonathan was with me on this trip. One thing we experienced was positive peer pressure, which demands you need men in your life that demand that you become the best version of yourself. They love you enough. They will not let you settle for anything less than becoming the man of God that you were called to be. Ladies, I'm not going to leave you out. You need, and this is what my daughter would say, you need your ride or die. <laughs> now, my wife, Casey... Uh, she leads uh, a women's ministry called Moms Next. Uh, she leads a chapter of it here uh, in Central Florida. And she was preparing the other day, and I overheard one of the teaching videos that was referencing this study. And um, it, it said that 75% of moms in this country experience intense loneliness. And can only point to maybe one close friend. Experience intense loneliness. The bereft of close friends. You need your brothers in arms. You need your sisters in arms. The church is the family of God. The church is the family of God. Are we working through all those implications together? And again... We are living as such, and we just need to take the next step. We need to continue to work it out, our faith with fear and trembling. 
in relationship, of course, to God, but also in relationship to one another. We need good and godly friendships. We need to, to live as the family of God because it, it's such a gift to have people in your life, to have brothers and sisters in your life that can hold the mirror up. Yes, to show you when, when need be your faults, your shortcomings, your blind spots. But you know another great thing about it? Because we, we tend to be so negative. Well, some, they're going to be critical of me. But, but what happens when you have someone who will speak truth to you? They, they see good in you. They see strength in you. They see character in you that you've never seen in yourself. And they can bring it out. They can bring it out. Last part of the vision is, I want, to, I want this to be a place where our children, and this is connected, where our children are brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Where they're safe from all the garbage out there. And they can learn the love of God, the love of another person, that we, we all help raise each other's kids. Whether or not you have kids. I mean, there, there, there's so many opportunities for relationship. Those in our church that are older, they could mentor a young man, 30s, 40s. Maybe he didn't have a dad in his life. Older women that could give wisdom, that have gone through <laughs> those wonderful but crazy years of young children, that, that could give you some hope that there's something on the other side. A multi-generational church where that iron sharpens iron. You know, they say it takes a village to raise a child. Maybe raise a man, too. <laughs> this is our village. This is an outpost of the city of God. So that's what I, I believe God's calling us to. Um, but I, I can't do it on my own. I'm not saying I'm doing it on my own at present. I don't want to do it on my own. I have no desire to do it on my own. So I think right now in the history of our church, we have to say, okay, each one of us has to say, has God called us to this or not? Do we have a sense that he's called us to this work? And if so, we need to be vigilant in prayer and diligent in labor. Ora et labora. The, the life of the Benedictine monk is what? Prayer and work. It's the life of us all. And again, I know, I know we're tired. I know many of you are going through the most difficult period of your life. And that's why we've got to bear one another's burdens. And we have to communicate with one another and say, look, I got to take a break from X, Y, or Z. But to bear one another's burdens. I don't want us as a church, 
And it's easy to do when you're tired. It's just easy because life goes so quick, doesn't it? Just to get in the routine. I don't want, even if it's by accident, I don't want us to settle. I don't want us to settle. I don't want anything less than what God has called us to do and to work for. Again, this is a church. It's amazing to me. I was thinking about this while I was gone. Like, everyone is a leader and doing really, for the most part, doing cool and high-level stuff. So if God has called you to this mission, I want you to ask yourself right now, would you accept this as the final destination at your job? In your home. I know that you wouldn't. So, so why are we going to settle? Again, it's not saying, this is not, this is all bad. The sky is falling. It's none of that. It's just, all right, we're on, we're on this plateau. Where's the next peak? And let's charge it in the power of the Holy Spirit together. And here's a real specific thing. I'll get real specific right now. This is the conversation we're starting to have with the vestry. This, this school has been great. It's been wonderful to us. Okay? It's time to move on. It's time to move on. You know, this room is huge. It's, it's way bigger than what we need. They've moved our classrooms way down the hall. The price is going to go up again. Got that email from the county. And it's not... It's time to move on. We need to swing for the fences. And we need to realize no human or no institution is going to come and save us. The diocese has been great. But if we're just waiting, man, I hope they emailed me this week and they've got, they've got some great solution. Now, I've been in contact with them. There's a lot of great things that are happening. Even if all these great things come to fruition, it's going to be some time. Just be specific. Even if we sign a contract tomorrow, it's going to be a year of approvals, of site remediation. So do we want to be here for a year? I don't think we should. Why? Should we? I don't think we should. Um, and it's not that, it's not just no one's going to come and save us. I mean, the Lord is. It's more, let me put it this way. No one can, think about Peter walking on water. Here's the thing. No one can step out of the boat for you. No one can step out of the boat in faith in our place. <laughs> we've, got, we've, we've got to go to the port side and just, we've got to step out. That's what God's calling us to do. Um, I've watched Lord of the Rings, uh, Return of the King, it's kind of a regular thing I do is read and watch Lord of the Rings. But I love at the end when Aragorn, you know, they're going to they're gonna charge the gates of Mordor to make a distraction so Frodo can get up Mount Doom and, you know, drop the, drop the ring in and save the day. And, and uh, Gimli, the dwarf, uh, in response to Aragorn's uh, plan, says, certainty of death, small chance of success. What are we waiting for? But what we have is a certainty of experiencing God in a way that we never have before. And watching him at work in our lives and in this church 
in ways that we could never ask or imagine. So, so this is what I want to do. In September, we're going to dedicate the month of September to a month of prayer. This is going to be a very Baptist, and I'll send this out to you. It's Baptist because it's going to alliterate, but that's going to help. They, they're on to something, those Baptists, because it's going to help you remember. So every day in September, as individuals, as a church, we're going to pray for God's presence. Because if God is not with us, then all of our labor is in vain. If we're not being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, if we're not growing in his knowledge and his grace, if we do anything without his presence, it's a waste of our time. So we're going to pray for God's presence, for his provision. You've noticed things out there are getting a little bit more expensive. Have you noticed? I think you probably have. And a place to worship him. His presence, his provision, and a place to worship him. Not that we rent for four hours a week. 24-7, 365 until Jesus returns. Set apart for his honor and for his glory and for the preaching of the gospel. Let us pray.